Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast hosted by me, Tony Liebert. You can follow me as always on Twitter at Tony Liebert and TikTok and Instagram at Tony underscore Liebert. It is L-I-E-B-E-R-T. Um, the return of the Mac. Uh, this week, the Gophers are hosting the Eastern Michigan Eagles Saturday night at 6.30 p.m. in a rare nighttime group of five out-of-conference matchup. I'll be breaking down everything you need to know about EMU and how Minnesota can avoid the disastrous upset. All right, so let's just jump right into it. Eastern Michigan coming off a 9-4 and season, a fam- famous Idaho Potato Bowl victory over San Jose State. 9-4, and their most wins in over 35 years since 1987. Their only other bowl game victory as an FBS program that season. Um, They have only been an FBS program for 47 years, previously competing at a lower level. And like I said, that they're coming off their second bowl win ever at a, as an FBS team. So how are they doing it? Um, head coach Chris Creighton entering now his 10th season in uh, Eastern Michigan. Um, he is 54 years old, and he has 27 uh, total seasons of college football experience. Started at the NAIA level. And then he went to the D3 level, then the FCS level at Drake. And then he took over at Eastern Michigan, where he's 47 and 61 all time. But like I said, Eastern Michigan only had three winning seasons before he took over at the FBS level in those 37 years before he got there. And they have had five and nine years that he's been there, five bowl game appearances, one victory. So arguably, they have their best coach in their modern era, something that Kind of similar that the Gophers uh, situation that they're in. But again, a little bit different. <laughs> Don't want to compare them too much, but you know, you see a little similarities. And um, I guess a big a big uh storyline heading into this year, running back Samson Evans, who's one of their best running backs in program history, could have easily transferred up to the power five level, a bigger school, but he decided to return for his final season with the Eagles. So uh, they got a talent player coming back who was top 25 in the country in rushing yards. So um, they'll be near top the MAC conference once again this year, and they'll provide the Gophers an interesting matchup in week two. And I guess before we get into that, the Gophers have obviously had a notorious experience with the MAC conference. Um, we all know back in 2021 that loss to Bowling Green. Um, and so all time they are 32 5 and 1 against the MAC conference. And they, so they've lost 5 games out of 30 uh 38. And the first one was in 2000 a home loss to Ohio 13-17. And then the following year they lost on the road to Toledo 7 to 38. We all know that was not a a glamorous time of Minnesota Gophers football. And then uh they lost to Bowling Green in 2007 overtime at home. Um, and Northern Illinois in 2010, 23-34, and then that Bowling Green loss in 2021. So, why I mentioned that, obviously, 
Eastern Michigan is in the MAC conference, and Saturday will be Minnesota's first all-time matchup with Eastern Michigan. Very interesting thing. Uh, at this point, there's not many college programs like that, especially when you've been a team like Minnesota that's been around for so long. But you know, there's always teams trying to get back into the FC FBS level, so um, might see a couple more of those in the near future. But thought I'd mention that. Hopefully, the Gophers can avoid adding to that list, and then hopefully they can get right the ship and be right on track for a good season. So let's break down position by position. What makes Eastern Michigan tick? What makes them a a tricky team to look out for? They're not they're not bowling green from 2020. Bowling Green was in a horrible position as a program when the Gophers played them, making that loss all that much worse. Eastern Michigan's in arguably their best position ever as an FBS program right now. It's never been better for them. And they arguably have their best coach in program history. Again, I say all this, the talent discrepancy is major, and there's a reason why the Gophers are 19.5-point favorites in this game. But those things, I think, make a team like Eastern Michigan look a lot different than a bowling green. So where it starts, quarterback position, we all know. QB is where everything starts. Uh, Austin Smith is the guy under center. Um, First-year starter. Uh, took over for a guy who'd been there for a while last year. He's a true junior, six foot two, two hundred thirteen pounds. Pretty nice size guy. Um, he his only other FBS offer coming out of high school was Air Force, so under very under recruited. And he made his first career start last week versus Howard. That was at home on Friday afternoon, early kickoff, five thirty p.m. kickoff on Friday. He was nineteen to twenty eight, sixty seven point nine completion percentage. 175 yards through the air, one touchdown, one pick, four carries, 27 yards. So he is a dual threat guy. Um, last year he appeared in nine games, completed 51 point there's 57.1% of his passes. Um 774 through the air, six touchdowns, four INTs. Last year he had 61 carries for 225 and two scores. So um he's not this dynamic quarterback that's gonna play in the NFL, I'll be honest with you. Um, he's not that level of a talent, but in college, we all know the dual threat gives you a lot more opportunities in college compared to the NFL level. It's harder to defend. Dual threat quarterbacks have success in college. This guy's a dual threat, and we all saw the Gophers last week struggle with that against uh, Nebraska, allowing um, 91 yards to Jeff Sims in week one. So that is certainly something to note this game. Um, again, this will be the easily the uh, toughest atmosphere Austin Smith has ever played in a night game in Minnesota, albeit not going to have the same atmosphere as the Nebraska game, but um, should be interesting to see him, how he performs in a situation like this. Nonetheless, the Gophers clearly have an advantage at that position, like most positions, but one position they might not have an advantage in is uh, running back. Um, Samson Evans returns for his final collegiate season in Yitzhaplani, Michigan, um, with with the Eastern Michigan Eagles. A uh, six foot, two hundred seventy seventeen pound running back. Um, last season he was twenty fifth in FBS football total rushing yards. He had eleven hundred sixty six, which is the eighth best single season total in program history. His uh, 15 rushing touchdowns on the season ranked for 14th best in the country. And he's arguably one of the best running backs in their program history. 29 career rushing touchdown, the most in EMU history. 
Um, his most notable performance last year and Eastern Michigan's most notable performance wasn't the bowl game. I, that wasn't their biggest one of the year. Their biggest one of the year was on the road at Arizona State, the game that essentially got Herm Edwards um, fired. Um, Samson Evans in that game uh, did about everything you can do. He he was the demise of Herm Edwards, essentially. But I, I don't want to. Speaking uh, too much hyperbole, but uh, you know what I mean. He had 36 carries for 258 yards and one touchdown, 30-21 upset in Tempe. Great game for EMU. Uh, clearly, it's elevated their program now to uh, heights that they really have never been before. So that that's, again, what makes this interesting because they're still a MAC team. They're still a group of five team. They're still Eastern Michigan. They still play on a weird gray field. But. They're at a, a point that their program's never been in, and they have arguably their best coach ever, one of their best running backs ever, dual-threat quarterback. That's why I think this is going to be a gross game, to be honest with you. But um, the previous season in 2022 when Sampson had the 1,200-ish rushing yards, he was second-team All-Mac, uh, coincidentally, alongside current Gophers running back Sean Tyler. They both were the second-team All-Mac running backs. And in week one against Howard, uh, Evans led the Eagles with 52 rushing yards, 16 carries on the, with those to go along with one touchdown. So uh, not a not a game-breaking game, but um, we, we all see, saw the Gophers not have great success stopping the run last week, so... I, I don't know Cody Lindenberg's status heading into this game, but it, it certainly would help. This would be a game that it, uh, it would help for him to be back, that's for sure. Um, Ahead of week three when they play North Carolina, who's more passing team. But yeah, this is a, the more I talk about this, is an interesting game. Uh, usually, though, when that happens, then the Gophers will win by 20. But whatever. Um, Another running back interesting is Jalen Jackson, who's more there kind of like scat back, like – um. Versatile third down guy. He had five, six, 168 pounds. Yeah, so he's undersized, but he had two kick returns. And we'll get into this when I talk the keys at the end of this episode. He had two kick returns on Friday, 107 yards and a touchdown, 84 yard touchdown there. One of two kick return touchdowns that Eastern Michigan had. He had seven carries for 18 yards. So versatile guy that definitely you should look out for that will be on the Gopher scouting report. But uh, nonetheless, the talented running back room, and they showed it week one. They've shown it all uh, before, um, and that is how this Eastern Michigan team is built. They're going to want to run the football. Now, wide receiver, their number one guy, Tanner New, New, A-N-U-E. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but um, eight receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown week one against Howard. Very talented guy who's been there a few years, a lot of experience, Senior 5'11, 178. And then their other receiver and very interesting playmaker on offense is Hamze El Zayat, who um who is a senior, five foot eight, 182 pounds. He had the other kick returning touchdown, 96 yard kick return touchdown. One carry for six yards in the game, one reception for 12 yards. Another playmaker you got to keep an eye out for. Those are two guys uh showing their explosiveness. But I'll be honest with you. We saw the Gophers secondary in week one. They're going to be able to match up with just about any wide receiver room in the country. And uh, Eastern Michigan, of all places, is not something that I think will that will concern 
Joe Rossi's defense and the Gophers leadership with Tyler Newbin and Justin Wally and Trey Jones and Darius Green and Jack Henderson in the secondary. This is a unit that they have a major advantage and something I would be quite surprised to see EMU have any substantial success in that area. Rounding out the offense, their tight end is pretty uh, non-notable to say the least. So uh, not going to really mention that a whole lot. But as for the offensive line, relatively experienced group. Um, five guys that played last year, um, except for their left guard. At left tackle, 352 career snaps heading into the year. He had a 71.5 PFF grade week one. Mickey Rewalinski. That's great podcasting right there. Not even being able to pronounce guys' names. But... You get the point. Left guard Zach Conti, 46 snaps. He was that one guy who did not start last year and did not play that much last year. 73.9 PF, PFF grade week one. Dimitri Douglas, another guy who played sparingly last year, 168 career snaps, kind of in that 73 range. Again, week one against Howard. Alex Howie, a guy who played 931 career snaps, was their lowest graded offensive alignment at right guard week one, 63.5 PFF grade. And Brian Dooley, the most experienced guy up there, over 3,000 career snaps, which has to be amongst the highest in college football. That is a number that Chris Amabella can't even uh, talk about. But 78.4 PFF grade, probably uh, 24 years old, but um, quite the experience there. Their offensive line is not something I think that will concern this defense. Um. Two of the most experienced guys, maybe the two best guys, are on the end. Uh, area that the Gophers saw a lot of success last week with three sacks coming from Joyner, Logan Redding, and Strigow, respectively. So we could see a little more success there. Maybe, uh, again, the Gophers have a – if they make Eastern Michigan pass the football, it's just I don't see a scenario how they're going to be able to move the ball passing. So, um, well, Nebraska had – few plays here and there. I, I just don't even know if how Eastern Michigan's going to do that. They have a guy who's thrown uh, less than 150 career snaps in FBS and has less than 1,000 passing yards. And they have a uh, few receivers that are just not the best. But again, they're playmakers, like I said. And they have uh, the interior is a little questionable. So they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback is essentially what I'm saying. But are they going to be able to stop the running game? That's um, really the number one thing in this in this game. Um, rounding out the offense, their offensive coordinator, Mike Piatikowski, Piatkowski, um, young guy in his mid-30s, um, was a former player at Drake. I believe he played under um, Chris Creighton at Drake, now that I just realized that. Just put two and two together. Um, very good quarterback for Chris Creighton at Drake. It, it, will, it started his coaching career at Montana State uh, intern, um, and then at Midland University. Midland University must be a D2 school. And then he was a GA at Eastern Michigan from 16 to 18, GA at Indiana from 18 to 20. Then he came back to EMU. Um, where he was the QB coach in 2020, passing game coordinator 21-22, this year promoted to the offensive coordinator. Clearly someone that Chris Creighton trusts, and 
making for a very interesting offense. All, all that I said, they, they just, I think, going to be one of the better teams in the MAC. I think, to be honest, I think they they're better than Northwestern. Um, after what I saw Northwestern do against Rutgers, I think I might take this team and coaching staff over the Wildcats. But uh, what what do I know? Um, defensive line heading to the defensive side of the ball. Um, at the defensive line, you got they run an interesting um versatile defense, kind of a three four. More, more of a four-three type defense. They got uh, Joseph Zelinsky at one end, 160 career snaps. You got uh, Peyton Price and Alex Merritt in the interior, both over 700 career snaps. A little more experience there. And Micah Coleman on the other end, less than 400 career snaps. None of them played uh, all that well against Howard. Uh, no one had less, or no one had greater than a 63 PFF grade in that game. Um, so again, something that I think I don't, uh, I, Howard was able to move the ball against these guys is essentially what I'm getting at here. And I think the Gophers will have no difference, no different experience. And, um, but we'll get into it a little bit. The special teams is one thing that I think would be how, um, Eastern Michigan pulls out the upset here. Um, at the linebacker position, uh, one, probably the most talented group on this EMU defense, you got Joe Spiracio, Spiracio who um, had has 1,200 career snaps, Boston College transfer, uh, experienced guy who's probably the leader on this defense. And then you got Luke Cameron, who has less than 150. An experienced guy at 55 PFF grade week one, so... Question marks there, but again, nonetheless, some experience. And then in the defensive back room, you got cornerback Kentom Shine, Hempton Kemp, Shine. I am not doing good with these names. This is not good. But uh, he has almost 1,700 career snaps, 63.4 PFF grade week one. One of the better players on their defense. Safety, Quintavia Scandret, who has nearly 500 career snaps. 63 PFF grade. Kind of their old defense was on there. But interesting guy is true freshman Daquan White. Right. Daquan White played in his first ever FBS college football game on Friday. 81 PFF grade, the highest graded player on their defense in that game. And he played quite a lot. Um, I think he played every defensive snap. So that's that's an interesting note. But I mean, overall, their secondary. Nothing jumps off the page to me. They run an interesting defense. They got defensive coordinator Neil Nethery, who has been at Eastern Michigan for nearly seven years, who has a lot of experience coaching. Um, started at in Wheaton University, uh, probably some low level, but he uh, coached. He was the defense. He's uh, been with Chris Creighton for a while. He was the defense coordinator in Ottawa then uh, Wabash University, and then he went to Drake University with them. Um, he was the defense coordinator for UTSA for five years from 2010 to 15, then he came back to EMU. So these are two coordinators that have a long-term experience with Chris Creighton. Um, Nethery's been there since 2021 as the associate head coach, but he's been there since um, 2016 as the defensive coordinator. So he's the number two guy. 
Uh, clearly trust him a lot. They clearly trust the offensive coordinator, um, Mike Piet Pietkowski. So two pretty solid coordinators. I mean, experience wise for uh G five team in the in the Mac. Again, that's why they're one of the better teams in the Mac, in my opinion. But um yeah, I guess I, I don't necessarily need to be long winded here. Um we can kind of just get down to the meat and potatoes here. That um I think the key to this game for the Gophers will be the running game, like I said. Um we saw Jeff Sims have some success in week one with those QB draws. That was something that was kind of the the go-to play for Nebraska. Um, hopefully the Gophers realize that and not that's not something EMU can take advantage of. Um, but, yeah, uh, Nebraska had 37 carries for 181 yards in week one. And uh, Eastern Michigan had a pretty good game compared with Sam Samson Evans and Austin Smith. So got to slow down the running game. I do not know what Cody Lindbergh's status is for this game, but they will need better linebacker play in this game. I, I, I don't know necessarily need, but they should uh, expect that and should need should want that because last week was not the best at that position. Um, Maverick Baranowski played well. Devin Williams played decently, and Ryan Selig played decently, but there's a lot of room for improvement there, and that is something that, again, I think the Gophers are going to win this game. I think any Gophers fan would think that. I think the only people that wouldn't would be an Eastern Michigan fan. Um, I think any neutral party uh, national pundit would think the Gophers will win this game. But I guess what I'm trying to convey is how Eastern Michigan would pull off the upset here. And one of the major things would be special teams. Um, we all know under PJ Flex, special teams has been notoriously a tough um, thing to get consistent high-level play out of. And Eastern Michigan had two kick returns in week one, averaging 44.8 yards per return on five different opportunities. Minnesota had its special team struggles of its own in week one, having 39 yards per return on Nebraska's two kick returns, allowing that. So, again, special teams are a very small part of the game. There's only a handful of plays per game. But you give Eastern Michigan two kick returns in this game, Minnesota's going to get a little sweaty. Uh, Huntington Bank Stadium is going to get a little sweaty. So that's something the Gophers need to sure, sure up because that cannot happen in a game like this. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I think this is going to be a gross game. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Um. Eastern Michigan has the coaching staff. They have the players to make this a gross game. Um, I think we could look up at the scoreboard and the Gophers could cover this game, but Eastern Michigan is going to have their moments. Unfortunately, I think it will be how that this happens. It's a night game under the lights. Um, and I mean, we didn't see much week one to think that the Gophers are going to come out and just boat race Eastern Michigan here. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, overall, though, Eastern Michigan allowed Howard, a team that was 5-6 and six last year in the MEAC, to score 23 points at home in Week 1. Not saying the Gophers had a great performance in Week 1, but the fact that Eastern Michigan's defense has uh, its fair share of question marks, I think the Gophers' offense will have a little easier time moving the football. And it's if they're able to stop Eastern Michigan's run game, I don't know how Eastern Michigan's going to move the football, to be honest with you. So. 
if they do that, if they limit Austin Smith's ability to make plays, the reason why that game was so close is I if you listened to last week before the uh, Nebraska game, I said you can't let Jeff Sims make plays. They're one touchdown, Jeff Sims made a play. Um actually no. What am I talking about? That wasn't that a backwards pass? Uh, and that was the wide receiver to Jeff Sims. I don't know. <laughs> this is but um you get what I'm saying. The gophers need to limit EMU's running game. Uh Austin Smith had one uh interception against Howard. So it's not like he's this world beater of a passing quarterback. Um, but again, I think um he's a talented runner. And Samson Evans is a talented runner. So they need to limit that because I, I'd argue Samson Evans is a better running back than what the Gophers had against uh, or what Nebraska has. And he might be a better running back than what the Gophers have, at least Sean Tyler and Bryce Williams. Um, we all know in the recap podcast, you just listen to why I think the Gophers might need to move on and give Zach Evans and Darius Taylor some run. But like I said, Jeff Sims did make that throw. He had three interceptions, but... Uh, he did score that touchdown. I, I second guess myself there a little bit. Uh, it clearly, it's been a long week, but I'm enjoying the Labor Day. Hope you are too. Um, yeah. So, EMU's special team prowess and their uh, running game potential gives them. If you play this game a hundred times, there are scenarios where Eastern Michigan wins. I'll tell you that right now. But the question is, how many? And what happens in those scenarios that gives Eastern Michigan the chance to win? And it's the running game, and it's the special teams. So if they're able to limit their special teams and limit their running game, in those scenarios, Eastern Michigan is not having 350 passing yards in this game and out-dueling the Gophers in a shutout. You get what I mean. In a shootout, whatever. So... This is going to be a sloppy game. The over-unders uh, right under 50. I think it's at 47 and a half. I, I think it might go under again. This Gophers defense will be sloppy. Um, I got a Gophers 24 to 10 victory. I think we see early in this game, the Gophers might have a good opening drive, might get right on the board. And then I think we're going to go back and back and, Eastern Michigan might have, might have an uh, answer in them, have a good early drive of their own. This Gophers defense has started slow in past years. Um, in those games, sometimes they have one bad drive to open up. They might just have one bad drive the whole game. We don't know where that is. but So I think they have one bad drive, and that gives Eastern Michigan a touchdown. And I think in there, too, we might have an offensive turnover. And then that Eastern Michigan converts that into three. But other than that, I just don't think Eastern Michigan will be able to move the football. And like I said, Howard scored 23 points on him. I hope Minnesota can score a little more. Nothing that I saw from that offense will think that I can think that they can score a whole lot more. So that's why I'm going 24-10. Gophers victory. It's not going to be pretty. There's still going to be a lot of question marks after this game. But, um, I mean, I'm saying this. I hope that they blow them out. But everything that I said, it just, after watching that game on Thursday, Nebraska is a much better team than Eastern Michigan. But honestly, I don't know how much better, to be honest with you. They have a lot of similarities as a football team. Uh, Nebraska clearly has a little more talent. Jeff Sims is a little better of a quarterback than Austin Smith. 
Gabe Irvin and Anthony Grant are high, higher touted players than Samson Evans, but pretty comparable. Nebraska's pass catchers aren't real good. Eastern Michigan's pass catchers aren't real good. Nebraska's offensive line got a lot of experience. Eastern Michigan's offensive line's got a lot of experience. Nebraska's is better, but Eastern again, that's why I think they're going to win this game by a little more. But there's a lot of similarities. They run a weird defense, Eastern Michigan does. A lot of moving parts. They're going to move all over the field. A lot of versatile pieces they'll move around. And um, that's why I don't think it's going to be this clear blowout game. But again, I like the Gophers' chances. But I'm telling you right now, be prepared for an ugly game. Um, Don't go into the game thinking they're going to win 40-0. Because if you go in with low expectations and they exceed those, you'll be happy leaving Saturday night. Well, if you go in with the expectations that they're going to win by 40 and they win by 13, you're going to be a little disappointed. So, remember your expectations in this game. I think the Gophers should be fine. I don't think Eastern Michigan has the firepower to pull off the upset here. But I do think it's possible, unfortunately. So, and for the way we pl- the Gophers have played against Miami of Ohio and Bowling Green and Fresno State and Georgia State and South Dakota State, it's real tough to be like, yeah, they're going to just go in there and boat race. They did that against Colorado last year. What? I mean, P.J. Fleck just hasn't really shown the, the ability to consistently wake his teams up for games like this. Uh, the Western Illinois game obviously was great last year. The New Mexico State game was re- pretty good too. So, But again, you have veteran players that have played in those games before. Now you got Ethan... You got Sean Tyler, who wasn't here last year. You got Daniel Jackson, who's pretty young. You got Corey Crooms, who wasn't here last year. Elijah, Elijah Spencer wasn't here last year. Jack Henderson wasn't here last year. You got three retro freshmen playing on defense. But you get my point. You got to wake these guys up, get them ready for this game. The fact that it's a night game is one scenario that I don't know what's going to happen because you don't play Eastern Michigan at night real often. I think it's really odd to me that this game's at night. Clearly, four TV, Big Ten Network wanted that late slot to fill, and the Gophers is where they looked at. Could get Eastern Michigan more fired up, could get Minnesota less fired up. I have no idea what's going to happen. The Gophers don't play that many night games to begin with. That first game of the year is always at night, but week two typically isn't. Week two is typically an 11 a.m. kickoff, so I'm really curious to see how this happens. works for this game. It's an interesting dynamic. Everything about this game is really interesting. Eastern Michigan is one of the more interesting programs in the MAC. If you look at their history, you got um, they used to be called the Michigan State School of Normal. Real interesting if you want to go down a rabbit hole, but um, overall, though, I could just ramble on. Right now, I'm kind of being a little long-winded. Like I said, Gophers sloppy victory, 24-10. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back at the end of next week for a recap. But 24-10, Gophers victory as always. Roll the boat, Skyuma, and go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.